Hi, I'm Martha. Hi, I'm Izzy. Welcome to the Lookouts podcast, Reef Points Track. Today's episode is logging history. So, so what, exactly, <laughs> what exactly is a logbook, Izzy? So a logbook is a document recording all navigational data and all the major events and activities of a vessel and her people. <laughs> it keeps records of situations tackled at sea. And the word log actually came from throwing a log over the side of a bow and measuring the time it took for the object to pass a point on the stern. Very interesting. So a log kind of depends on both of the speed of your boat, but also how fast you're going too, right? Right, definitely. And the mm -hmm. first time we're going to be opening the Sea Scout log books since 1920. So this is the first time we're opening it up. Yeah, these are the logbooks from the one of the um, few earlier ships. The Pioneer we're going to be looking at today was 1912, if I have that right. Yep, and um, then we're also opening up the Porpoise, which is from a Sea Scout in Boston, and it was from all the way in 1936. Yeah, so right around the Great Depression time. This is going to be very interesting to look at. I can't wait to dive in. Yeah. <laughs> So the Pioneer Sea Scout ship, what kind of boat do they have? It's an 89-foot cluster schooner. Okay, so pretty big. Bigger than what Very we It <laughs> has like a 34-foot hunter. Um, what, do, what do you guys use? Yeah, so we have a 45-foot. I would love yeah, to see so this 89-foot <laughs> sailboat. This is, this is pretty big. This is pretty big. Um, Okay, so one of the very important things about Sea Scouts is your meetings, and my meetings start at 7, um, and then they go until about 8.30, but these lasted pretty late. Right, so for both the Porpoise and the Pioneer, their harbor logs, which are logs that take or record the length of the meetings and the agenda of the meetings, these logs showed that the meetings lasted like three hours. Some of them lasted till 10 o'clock p.m. Yeah, so they were out pretty late. And I think they actually met on their boat. Um, a lot of Sea Scout ships don't do that anymore because like me, I'm from Houston and our boat is um, down in Clear Lake near Galveston. So we have to drive an hour and a half and I'm not driving an hour and a half just for one meeting every single week. Right. I mean, I'm from Annapolis, and I only live like 10 minutes away from our boat, but it's small, so we don't like going on it for meetings all that often. Yeah, so that's one of the very interesting things about the early success ships is that they actually did meet on the boats that they sailed. I mean, if you did have an 89-foot scooter. I, I know, yeah. I, would, I might drive an hour and a half once a week just to go on that. That would be <laughs> cool. Um, and then taking a look at just what their logbooks looked like, they had very, very good penmanship. Like, this is some quality handwriting here, people. I'm not kidding. <laughs> their yeoman definitely wrote correct, uh, correctly organized and had great penmanship throughout these logs. There were no mistakes there. <laughs> yeah, our, our yeoman <laughs> types up on Google Docs now, so there is definitely a big difference in how these get ships are run. Right, right. Um, is this Sea ship still around? Like, what, what so, are we doing? Uh, right now, we, the, the founder of Sea Scouts, who coordinated with the Pioneer ship, which is the ship from 1912, 
Mm-hmm. He died. <laughs> he died. Well, in yeah, I, I, <laughs> we're in 2020. I think that's right. <laughs> he's, he's no longer around. As for the ship, nobody really knows what happened to the vessel. He had, so the owner of the Sea Scout ship, and the Sea Scout boat, Pioneer, was Arthur Ostro Carey. And Carey had the vessel refloated and salvaged which ironically set a trend for Sea Scout boats for the next century of the quote, it needs a little work. <laughs> the boat likely was used by the Navy during World War I, but there's little documentation of any of that. Very interesting. Yeah, I think when we talk about the porpoise here in a minute, we're going to find that a lot of the Sea Scouts actually um, did enlist in the Navy during the World Wars that happened. There, It was a very, very good background um, for just for going into the military. Um, right, and you can definitely see through reading these logs how the Sea Scouts corresponded with the, both the Coast Guard and the Navy, which mm-hmm. kind of set up the relationships for further uh, meetings throughout. Yeah, nowadays we're not really <laughs> setting our, our Scouts up for the military. We're more <laughs> leaning towards um, how troops are run. So we're trying to stay away from the military. I mean, we love to help them and stuff, but we keep getting saluted, and that's not right because we are not a part of the Navy or the Coast Guard. So, um, very cool time period, but I mean, it's Sea Scouts has definitely changed since 1912 and 1936. Definitely. Where, okay, where so, was the Pioneer from? Is, so, the Pioneer was from also from South Boston, while the Porpoise, which we're going to talk about now, was from mm-hmm. Boston. So throughout the porpoise, they had both a harbor log and sea log, which we read about in our logs. Do you want to talk a little bit about how these harbor logs were organized? Yeah, sure. So they actually um, had their meetings on Wednesdays. My ship meets on Thursdays just because a lot of youth have um, church youth groups on Wednesday nights. So we like to meet on Thursdays. It says that they have starboard and port crews. So the way that Sea Scouts works is you divide up your youth depending on how many people that you have. Usually your crews are eight to 10 scouts. My ship is eight to 10 scouts, so we don't have crews. Um, But it looks like the Sea Scout ship Porpoise had starboard and port crews, which is an interesting way to name them, I think. Um, And to only have two, I know the ship one from Palestine, they have crews based off of the phonetic alphabet. So Alpha, Beta, um, Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, stuff like that. That's really cool. Yeah, after. Yeah. Um, what about your ship? Do you guys have crews yet? Well, we do have crews. We have about four. And we okay. have leaders for each of these crews. But we don't have the creative names of Starboard and Port Crews. You don't have names at all? We do have names. It just depends on the rank that we have that you're at so it's not like creative oh, like starboard and port. okay so and we have like, like a new we have a new sea scout crew so it's okay out. so you have like recruit apprentice ordinary right right do you do, do you scout switch crews as they like progress with the rank advancement so we haven't been able to go completely in depth with our crews we want to with something we're trying out that's brand new so hopefully we'll okay. figure it all out <laughs> okay interesting yeah So it looks like some of the things that they focused on in their meetings um, was compass and relative bearings. We still use that today. I just completed my piloting course this fall, so that took care of all my nav requirements for all my Sea Scout ranks. 
Um, but that was very, very tedious. Right. I know our ship actually just covered the information on compass and relative yeah. variance, which yeah, shows I mean, how the information that we're learning is pretty much the same that they were focusing on as well. With yeah. a few new modernizations. Yeah, um, this past March, I learned celestial navigation, how to use a sextant and stuff, which was very, very cool. And it's really cool to just learn how, yes, we have new technology, but this was revolutionary back in that time. And it really changed the way that people sailed and transported. It changed the entire world. Um, and it's, I mean, it's still used today. People still use it. So it's right. a good backup plan. What, what's that <laughs> Polaris? Am I saying that right? Yeah, so this is a bearing tool. And if you Google the picture of it, you, can, you might have seen it a few times in some older boats. It's both on just like relative bearing. It's kind of like a compass. But okay, interesting. So what was really cool about the topics that the porpoise focused on was they also learned how to do snorkeling. So they had some snorkeling classes. And they went over uh, marine engineering, which is something my ship hasn't done. <laughs> yeah, no, neither have we. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah, we haven't done any snorkeling. We're hoping to do some scuba diving here pretty soon. Um, but I didn't know people snorkeled in 1936. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> right? That's so cool. So another thing that's really cool that we found out in these logbooks were that their meetings were not just on like once a week or twice a week. They met regularly on like a Wednesday, Friday, and even on Saturdays. So on these Wednesdays, they had their normal ship meetings where they covered all the material that we just discussed. But then on Fridays, they learned knots. And they did this every week. So I'm sure that they really understood knots better than even I do. Wow, that's, <laughs> so they had like a mini meeting on Friday for knots. Right. Interesting. Like during this whole coronavirus thing, we've been trying to figure out how to do a bunch of rank advancement through Zoom and virtual technology and stuff like that. So one of the things that I know a few ships have used are many meetings, just like 30 minutes of instruction for one rank advancement item. So this sounds like people were doing that even back then. Definitely. And I think it's so cool that they focused their time like once a week to just really dive into what knots are and how to do them. Yeah, so this part of the logbook that we looked at, it started around January, um, which means these people are in Boston in January, <laughs> cleaning their boats on a nice fresh Saturday. It's got to be pretty cold. Definitely. We have some recordings of them talking about the weather and how there was sleet on their boat and ice on uh. their boat. <laughs> And I'm then, so glad uh, I don't have that problem. <laughs> I cannot relate. <laughs> Coming from Annapolis, I definitely do get ice on my boat sometimes. I have never experienced a frozen jib at all in my life. <laughs> I have heard it's a terrible thing, but I would not know. We only received snow, uh, like, once this year, but... Yeah, it was pretty mild <laughs> up there. Right, but we had snow. I've definitely gone sailing with snow in my boat before. Oh, I cannot imagine that. That's, nope. It's a different kind of cold up there, guys, I'm telling you. <laughs> um, so their community service looked a, to be a little bit different than what we do. Right. So I realized that this was during the Great Depression era. So they definitely encouraged to do a good turn daily, but their community service looked much different than ours. 
So this is an excerpt of what we read through the log. It says, nine men worked on Trucco armed by the Morgan Memorial collecting paper and furniture as a community good turn for three hours. And I think three it's so hours. cool to see how they incorporated the word good turn because mm -hmm. that is definitely the heart of what we do. And that's our scouting. We're supposed to do a good turn daily. Yeah, that's our scouting slogan. Um, our scouting motto is be prepared, but our slogan is do a good turn daily, which is just a good deed. Basically help somebody out um, at least one time a day. So that's, that's very cool that they did that during the Great Depression. They definitely probably made a difference. Um, so on page 102 of the Porpoises log, they actually had, who was he? Was he just a member of their ship? One of the adults that passed away? Right, so the harbor log took us through a service, like a memorial service that they had um, for one of the Sea Scouts. He was a quartermaster, um, and they took us through this funeral service and they incorporated it of uh, the square knot symbolization through it. They said the square knot is a symbolic of the life you let lead and of the tie between us, which will never part. And I think very that's so cool that they really incorporated that knot into it. Yeah, one of the very, very important things about a square knot is the way it's tied, You, it's not gonna be undone no matter how hard you pull on it. So I think that's very, very cool that they put that into the memorial service for him. Definitely, definitely. So this ship was also incredibly involved with their community. One of the actions that we were able to read about was taking place on February 4th, where they helped dismiss officers at an Army Navy. They didn't say too much about it, but they definitely said that they did dismiss them, and I think that's just cool. To see yeah, so they were definitely involved up there in Boston and all that they did. Um, one of the traditions my ship has and our sister ship has, I don't know if you guys do this, but we always do a 4th of July sail. We sail out and anchor up to watch the fireworks at night. It's a night sail. Um, we usually go down the day before, sail around for the whole day, and we stay the next day because the traffic on Galveston Bridge is horrific during 4th of July. So it's usually a weekend episode for us. Um, but apparently the 4th of July sail tradition goes all the way back to the Porpoise ship too. They did a cruise to Great Misery Island and helped out with races. Right, so they, the sea log took us through their departure and their arrival to the Misery Island. There were, they actually did mention that several were seasick, which I find so funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just us. Yeah, um, it's not just us. <laughs> They also did help out with this racing. It was their outboard racers. Mm -hmm. They also helped out with the outboard races again, but this time in Plymouth, where they sailed up to Plymouth. And they said, the outboard racers are tiny affairs in which the racers have not enough room to sit comfortably, but must lay on their stomachs, both for comfort and to avoid wind resistance. I actually okay. have seen what an outboard racer was until I had to look it up, and it is the most interesting powerboat that I have seen. Really? What right. does it and look it, like? Ooh, it's kind of the description that they gave with it being enough, not enough room to sit comfortably. That pretty much depicts it. It's almost so. Is it like, like a sunfish but smaller? 
Um, yeah, it's definitely, you can say it's kind of similar to a sunfish. It's like a tiny powerboat, but very small. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is really small. Oh, geez, this is like, <laughs> this is like a race car, but a boat. <laughs> that is a really good explanation of what it is. So They had this in 1936. The first picture that you pulled up are actually much more modern than the ones yeah. that Yeah. <laughs> um, if you do look at the pictures, you can see that they're wearing, like, helmets and stuff, which uh -huh. kind of does show this is really dangerous, especially if they were, like, to run into each other or this run into something else. This is just, like, so race, like race cars <laughs> in the water. Wow. I did not know that this existed until now. <laughs> um, the Sea Scouts were there to help out if in case there was any problems um any danger that was caused by their boats they, they were almost working almost as like a coast guard or a harbor master okay so one of the really cool things about that actually is that um sea scouts can become a member of the coast guard auxiliary and help out almost with the exact same thing during air shows down here in galveston they have planes fly over and if something goes wrong they have to be able to parachute into the water so what Sea Scouts do is they go on these Coast Guard boats for the Coast Guard Auxiliary and monitor um, the water where they're supposed to drop if something goes wrong. So I guess this has gone back a long, long time. Right. And even in our own, like if we do sail racing, we have uh, coach boats and mm -hmm. yeah. mini boats and they're to, they're to rescue if there's any disasters. And that is, is exactly what they said that these racers were like, that they, um, sorry, what the... Sea Scouts ship was for. <laughs> yeah, they even said that there is a real shipmate feeling between the Coast Guard and Sea Scouts, and that has certainly not gone away. Right, so this boat was able to uh, meet up with the Coast Guard cutter fonts, and they were able to meet up with them, and they actually went cruising for a little bit together. Really? Right, so they definitely corresponded and worked together, which I think is so cool to see how there was like that correlation between. Oh yeah, that's awesome. And so what are they up to now? So where is the porpoise now, you might ask? The skipper of the porpoise also died in, um, before World War II. He seemed really into the program and even made songs and helped start at least one other ship. So he was productive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the ship was rat <laughs> was in really involved with um was really modern, which is impressive for wait, <laughs> I don't understand. Are you okay? Okay, it's okay. We can delete all that. <laughs> that <part out. laughs> wait, I would I really like to hear one of those made up songs though. That sounds really cool. Oh definitely. Okay. Do you want to include that last sentence? Wait, what is that? Did you put this here? <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, when I copied and pasted it. I didn't. I'm just trying to see what it comp like connects with. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah, like I'm like, <laughs> um, okay. No, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I would definitely like to hear one of those made up songs. That sounds really cool. I know that there are scout songs for Scouts BSA and troops and stuff. I, after campouts, I lose my voice from yelling scout songs at the top of my lungs. I don't sing them. I yell them. 
think um, that's the way you're supposed to sing them. <laughs> sorry. Okay. But that's not something that the Sea Scouts really have a whole lot. A lot of Sea Scouts are dual registered in the Scouts BSA program for troops. Um, I, I am. I do both. But we don't, we don't sing Scout songs. So I guess we got to start one. <laughs> we, we should make some of our own. I think that you are exactly right. So. There's so much we can learn from uncovering these stories of both the porpoise and the pioneer. pioneer. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool just to go back into Sea Scouts history, mainly because we have so much of it. Um, that's one of the things that separates us with separates us from troops and venturing is we just have so much history that comes with the nautical side of being a scout. So we have a few questions. A sentence regarding these logbooks. The first one is, would you want to be on one of these ships and why? So personally, I feel like it'd be interesting to definitely see what it's like to be in such an involved Sea Scout ship. I would personally want to be on one of these ships, either the Porpoise or the Pioneer, just to see what it's like and to see how much they do throughout the year. Yeah, I'd probably be want to be on the Pioneer just because like the first, they're the first to do this and they have an 89 foot schooner. Um, <laughs> I definitely joined just for that. One of the questions that we received was also, do you feel anything in common with these Sea Scouts? Yeah, I, I feel like there's, there's a lot in common between me and them, mainly just the community service aspect. Um, that's something that is still a requirement for ships today. It's a requirement in Scouts in general because Scouts is here to teach you morals and ideals and how to apply yourself outside of Scouting. So it's really cool to grow up in Scouting and then implement what you learn in other aspects of your life. And I feel like that is definitely true today just as much as it was back then. Right, definitely. I also feel like Sea Scouts really tried to show their respect to others. And mm -hmm. I think Sea Scouts still today really tries to show that it's important to show your respect to others. One of the examples is that in the harbor log, they saluted the lighthouse keeper. And, and that's so cool. Yeah, that really is. Another thing that I have in common with these Sea Scouts is that they talked a lot about how they like being on the water. And you could kind of tell by the what they were saying that they really like to just be on the water. And I think every Sea Scout can relate with that. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there are three types of Sea Scouts. One, they are in it just for the rank advancement to go and get your quartermaster. The second one is um, they just love being on the water. That's all they want to do. And the third one is a mix of both. But uh, I definitely see a lot of the second one, just kids wanting to go sail. And Sea Scouts is their way to do that. So I think right. They definitely showed us times when they were going fishing or went cruising around the mm -hmm. harbor, just going and doing everything on the water that they could. Yeah, there are a lot of um, sailing ships around right now. Uh, we're starting to move more towards diversity in Sea Scouts and, you know, more paddle craft, more scuba diving. But it's really cool to see that that diversity was there back then, too. Right. So they didn't just do just your sailing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is kind of something that we've moved away from, but we definitely need to start moving back towards is this integration of different kinds of ships. They did fishing. Our ship has like never gone fishing to the extent of my current knowledge, like at all. Um, but that's definitely an option. The Sea Scout ship can be established just for fishing. I don't see why not. 
Yeah. So I think we're gonna do a few more logbook episodes. We'll have to see. We definitely have some plans for different episodes coming up soon. But if you have any requests, please email us at podcasts at cscout.org. That is a capital P and plural podcast. So podcasts at cscout.org. If you are listening on Apple or any other program that lets you write a review, please do so. It really helps us just promote these podcasts and get out there and to get some feedback from you guys as to what we should change or make better. So I am Martha. And I am Izzy. And we will see y'all next week. On the Lookout Reef Points.